You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we are buzzing into episode 115. Wow. And we're even now. We've each done yes. 114 episodes, yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. it's uh, I'm actually happy to be back. So we're recording. For, for our listeners, we're kind of out of order. Not... Not really out of order. Oh, we're yeah, re- only a day out of order. Yeah, we're yeah. recording too because by the time you listen to this, I will have gotten married. So I'm, I'll am i be out on my honeymoon. So we're recording two episodes in one week and re- we're recording this one before episode 114, 14. which will, uh, yeah, you'll have already listened to. Yeah. So, and, and I missed episode 113 because I had a little bout with COVID. Yeah. And which, that was shortly after I had a, a, very minor bout with COVID. COVID, yeah. So and uh, yeah, so it's been uh, an interesting. I had a I had a rough month because I had the flu and then or you had Lyme's had, disease. Then I had Lyme's disease and then two weeks after that I I COVID, which uh, yeah, with I I did not experience severe symptoms at all. What was it but, that every it was at was it around Labor Day everyone got the flu? Yeah, yeah, was, but uh, it was a really bad no, case. Memorial Day, Memorial, Memorial Day, Day. Sorry, Memorial Day. Everyone got the flu. We came back. You got Lyme's disease. Mm-hmm. You got COVID. Then we went into Fourth of July. I was back for one day after the Fourth of July, and then I had COVID. So yeah. that's I've only been back in the office. Hard to for schedule two days. meetings when yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm oh, yeah. and I'm the one who's out the most. Yeah, and um, and then I'm I'm getting married. Like I'm in the yeah. office three days this week, and then I'm getting married, and I, I'm going to be off for a week. So yeah. it's it's been the last like two months has been craziness. Yeah, it's been a it's been a lot of fun, and. Um, yeah, I I meant to put in some stuff for follow up from previous episodes here, but it's been so long since we did a buzz. I don't remember <laughs> what I, we. I don't what remember we either. To up on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I guess with that, we should probably just kick into yeah. some of the segments. And if we remember some of the things we want to yeah, follow up on, I, then we should get I get was, to it I when was, it comes up. I was going to pitch an idea to you. Okay. And I was going to do it not on the podcast, but since we're talking about it, like because we had we we. We have all this craziness where we're recording episodes because we're not going to be here. But in preparation for this talk that you and I did, I had to go back and listen to a lot of old episodes, which are really good episodes. But if you look at the listens, mm-hmm. like we get more listens in a week than some of these episodes have Ever in a lifetime. Yeah. And a lot of our newer listeners, they're going back, but they're not going that far back. Mm-hmm. And there's some great episodes. So I'm wondering if we should maybe hand select five episodes called Best Of. Mm-hmm. That if we know that one of us is going to be on vacation, we yeah. record an intro and we do – like the Dr. Doug Talamy just yeah. hit like a 1,000 listens, which mm-hmm. is not – you know, or like the Dr. Enrique Sala one mm-hmm. is is like doesn't have a lot of listens because it was so early on. Yeah. Maybe we should just pick five episodes that we think are worth merit for people to revisit mm-hmm. and make a best of. So if we come into an issue like this – I know you had to scramble last minute to put an episode together. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so I I just asked my brother, hey, you want to try this? And I wasn't sure if it was going to work. I listened. I was, it was really good. Yeah. And, and uh, the feedback was that good. That is some uh, some 
some follow-up is thank you everyone who who listened to the very quietness that's the first time i've ever edited one of our podcasts and uh and the software that i used it was very fancy and even after i checked it somehow i clicked on something and made it so it actually faded from beginning to end so yeah. it progressively got louder our voices yeah. progressively got louder throughout the whole thing now, Tom, so that was yeah that Thomas, was interesting but i was able to fix it yeah you're and, uh, you're very you're very tech savvy so it's not that you're not capable i just typically do it mm-hmm. so and as tom was recording and editing i was sleeping <laughs> like yeah. basically it was like the period where covid like was hitting me the hardest and I was basically just sleeping all day. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't much help, but I just thought maybe that was a good idea. I was thinking like five, five, yeah. five oh, good yeah. episodes that like, if we know someone's going to be on vacation, so we're not rushing, mm-hmm. we can revisit some of these and let people experience some of these great episodes. It kind of yep. got us to where we're at. Right oh now. yeah, definitely. So, all right. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad you liked that idea. So you want to do that's hot. Yeah, let's do it. That's hot. So, would you like to go? I I don't even know if my plant's hot any. Actually, it is. No, it I is. just it's, walked by. Yeah, it's just coming into. Yeah, I well, yeah, it's probably peak right now. I know yeah. when I looked Friday, I said we're probably about four or five days away from that being at its peak, yeah. which is would be well. Oh yeah, by the time people are listening to this, it's probably starting to come down. You but know, they it, when they were recording it, it's perfect. What's What's funny is my selection is based on I had went to your brother Steve and yeah. said. If you had to pick one plant that's hot right now mm-hmm. in the seed fields, what's killing it? And he mentioned this. And that wouldn't have been the one I picked. I would have picked for what looks best in the seed fields right now. I would have gone with Liatris spicata, mm-hmm. which is a dense blazing star. Um, I would have gone with Veronicastrum virginicum, which is Culver's root, which is an, an underrated plant in my opinion. And so does uh, uh, Bruce Crawford from, from um, I forget where, I think it's Morris County Parks is where he is now. He was at Rutgers Gardens yeah. for the longest yeah. time. Uh, he thinks it's an underrated plant too. Culver's root is killing it in my yard right yeah. now, just absolutely killing yeah. it. But this one that that Fran picked now, this is, was two uh, weeks ago too that he selected that. That's surprising because, yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. said, I looked at it last week and said, "Yeah, it's getting close, but it's not there yet." <laughs> so my my selection based on that is wild bergamot, which is Monarda fistulosa. Um, and at the time that I wrote this, it was just getting ready to pop. But it's a perennial found in dry fields, thickets, woodland borders, has two-inch clusters of pale pink lilac flowers uh, late in the summer. So uh, Minarda, it's like bee balm. It's in the bee balm family, so it's just the the pink lilac instead of red that you may be accustomed to. Uh, it gets two to three foot tall. It's more of an upland, uh, wetland indicator sta- status. It does colonize quickly. So if you do plant it, you may want to keep it in an area where you can keep it a little more contained. Uh, because it will colonize really well. Um, and according to Xerces, uh, wild bergamot attracts a number of specialist bees, bumblebees, predatory wasps, hummingbirds, and hawk moths. And it is native to a very large portion of the U.S. So mm-hmm. I think there wasn't too many states that it wasn't native to. So it's a it's a good choice for right now. Like I said, if that's one if, if you're just starting out and you want to have success with something. That's one that you're going to have success with. Uh, it's a beautiful flower. You can get a nice colony of it going, and uh, it you'll get you'll get a ton of uh, you'll get a ton of pollinators. By the way, I got my first monarch, my first monarch on the swamp milkweed that we planted two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. 
and this thing was doing like a victory dance oh. around our deck. It was so happy. It stayed there like forever, just going in between all the plants, mm-hmm. and it was so nice witnessing that. Yeah. Oh, that's um, very cool. Yeah. I was like, finally, because we hadn't had monarch caterpillars, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, we really haven't seen any monarch butterflies. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just nice to see it being used and how happy the wildlife seemed that mm-hmm. it was there. Like it was almost like it found an oasis and it was, yeah. it was just a very good feeling. Yeah. No, that's, it's amazing how they'll find that. Cause who knows how many of your neighbors have any kind of milkweed in their yards that I haven't seen and, any, yeah. that they can sent somehow sense. I, I'm assuming they sense that it's there somehow. Like, I don't know how else they find it, you know, but, we, uh, we, other than just random, random luck, random or, luck. Or, but we, I, I, while I was, over the 4th of July weekend, I actually cataloged how many native plants we had mm-hmm. on our property. And it's it's over 30. We plant at 20. Um, but there's probably almost as many known invasives on our property mm-hmm. as there are natives. You, you know, I can, I can counteract for every native there's an invasive, mm-hmm. and they're bad. Um, so even though there are natives, there's a lot of things that aren't native, and there's a lot of bad things. So I think it was – the fact that it was able to find something and be happy made me happy. So, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a project like anything else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's a good choice, especially for right now. I think it's going to be really. It's like just starting. Like I said, my garden's just starting to pop at the seed fields. It's uh, it's probably going to be at its peak. My garden's a little bit shadier than our seed yeah. fields are. So, uh, what do you what do you have this week? My plant this week was a uh, staghorn sumac, uh, which is Roost typhina. Um, and I found a new common name for that oh. that I saw the other day. What is it's it? called the Pennsylvania Palm. I've never heard that before. I've never heard it either, but I think it's a great That is <laughs> great a great name. common name. I think it's like a joke common name. Yeah. I don't think it's something anyone really refers to it as other than people who are we having do, fun. We do now. <laughs> <laughs> the but, Pennsylvania uh, Palm. So um, the sumac, or this sumac in particular, can stay fairly short, but usually it'll get pretty tall. I see it mostly around like, 12 to 15 feet tall. Yeah. Um, and they pop up on roadsides a lot is where I'll see them quite often. But apparently they can get up from, a, according to the Forest Service, they can get up to like 33 feet tall. Uh, really? Which seems really a lot bigger than I've ever seen. Now, I have seen when when I worked at Princeton Nurseries, mm-hmm. they actually grew them tree form, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Like there used to be one right out in front of Pleasant Run Nursery that people would drive by and – go what is that tree i've never seen that before and we're like oh you have it's sumac yeah. it's just in a pruned in a way that you've never it would have a straight mm-hmm. trunk and then branch well, then it out. probably really looked like a palm tree yeah, yeah yeah and it would it would go up and it, it kind of had the form of like a, a crab apple almost mm-hmm. uh but that thing was pretty big it wasn't 33 foot tall but it was pretty big yeah yeah but um so typically i see it in thickets you can see it like in like I guess it's still a tree form, but it's a thicket because it'll spread. Yeah. But um, it's occasionally shrubby. It is strongly rhizomatous. Uh, the stem may become even 10 inches in diameter, which I've never seen one that big. That's that's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, twigs can be stout, uh, densely red and hairy, uh, up to almost like over ha- or three-quarters of an inch. Leaves are alternate and pinnately compound, 6 to 16 inches Long by four to seven inches wide. Each leaf has 11 to 36 coarsely toothed leaflets, green on top and much paler underneath. Flowers are born in clusters um, of hundreds of thousands of flowers on the tips of branches. Flower clusters are up to eight inches long and two, in, two to four inches across. 
uh, yell, and they're yellow to greenish. The flowers really don't stand out unless you know what you're looking yeah. for, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but what does stand out is the the berries, which or the fruit, which is uh, fuzzy, bright red to brownish red. Um, they're one seeded droops, but it looks like a big staghorn. It's just like a, a unicorn horn coming off of this yeah. plant, and there's multiple on the plant. And uh, and why I picked it is they by the time people are listening to this, they should be ripe enough to make sumac lemonade, and uh, Ooh, that's something nice. I've been wanting to do for like the last six years, and I'd always forget until it was way too late. Um, my brother taste tested one on Monday, and he said it's still too bitter. But that okay. people are going to be listening to this not what a week from when we're recording, so yeah. it's a little ways away. So by that point, they're going to be ready or not quite ready so you'll have time to actually try this yourself um the other thing that i've been saying since we really started the podcast is i want to make the sumac seasoning which you can make i guess a a mock one with um with your native sumacs the sumac seasoning you'd get like from a a restaurant store or or that they use in a restaurant is usually a a middle eastern thing but so before before our listeners go out and and try this on their own no do a little research on your idea. Mm-hmm. A lot of times sumac gets confused with tree of heaven, but tree yeah. of heaven's not going to get – that gets much larger. It's not going to get that same berry. Mm-hmm. Poison sumac, I believe, where this is an upland sumac, poison sumac is wetland. I think it has mm-hmm. a different color berry as well. Yeah. Um, but staghorn sumac, it, it's called staghorn because the the stems are fuzzy, uh, mm-hmm. like a stag's horn. Uh if if you see one like that, where it's see, I always I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I always thought it had it was referring to the berry cluster. I'm like, oh, some some stag no, it, out there has to have a horn like this. No, it's you know for for the three yeah. main ones that are similar because there is uh, Rus aromatica too, which is more of a shrub, but mm-hmm. uh, fragrant sumac. But staghorn has the fuzzy stems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rus glabra, which is sous, smooth s- sumac, glabrous means without hair, so mm-hmm. it's there's. It doesn't have the hair, so you can say that your hair, your head I'm is glabrous. <laughs> I can, I can, and <laughs> um, wing sumac between the leaflets. Uh, there's wings uh, along okay. the stem. So if you if you see the wings, it's it's wing sumac. If it's fuzzy, it's it's staghorn, and if it's smooth like my head. <laughs> it's it's glabra. That's a good. That's a good trick. Is you like you don't have to. Well, I guess being bald is not something you tell people. It's something that they they notice. It, yeah, you're leading. You you're kind of leading with that yeah, when I'm, you meet someone. No, I'm not bald. I'm I'm glabra. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, use it. That would be part of my botanical name. Yeah. So I'm going to come up with a botanical name for myself. That's actually probably a good challenge that we should do as like a – we have too many contests I think running right now. But um, a future contest would be who can, who can come up with the best botanical name for themselves. Oh, <laughs> I like themselves. that. I don't even know how you award a winner for that, but it's just something fun. Just do it anyway. There's no Damn prize. Man. Just yeah. – <laughs> Everyone in the vote this week, drop your your botanical name. <laughs> if you're really bold, you can change it your Facebook name to your botanical name. I like that, and then get really people who really thinking what's going on. Or you, so. you can add a nickname on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah make the botanical so. name your nickname. All right, there you go. Awesome. That was a great choice. Two great, uh, two great. Uh, that's hot. 
Um, happy for each of them. Glad we were able to get those in. Uh, but let's you ready to move on to this or that? Yeah, let's do it. You can get with this, or you can get with that. So I'm a little disappointed. And I originally, I, I kind of filled you in on this. I was going to keep it a surprise, but then the surprise got ruined. Um, our for the longest time, our vote was a tie. It was nine to nine for who was going to win, and I came up with a tiebreaker that I was going to play on air. I, I still haven't listened to it yet, so it's still a surprise to both of us. But the morning that we were originally going to record. You got a couple more votes, and you actually won eleven to nine. Mm-hmm. So, I, there's no drum roll. Wait, there you go. Tom won eleven to nine. So, um, and the articles were my hummingbird gardens uh, in Mexico City, and Tom had uh, an article on how to make your yard a carbon sink. But just for giggles, you want to hear the tiebreaker? I do. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Hi, uh, hello, fellas. Fellas, it's your old friend Saul uh, Saul Rosenberg. I'm I'm calling you uh, today from the Garden State uh, in between. Uh, now, Thomas, I don't know what Pam told you, but uh, since COVID seems to be going away, I've, I've returned to my love of the theater, and I have been working uh, as the understudy to the main character who plays Wade Garrett uh, in Roadhouse, <laughs> the musical, and... and um, we have been playing and rehearsing for quite some time now uh, off-Broadway. And uh, I, I don't know if you remember the Wade Garrett character. It was played by Sam Elliott. And uh, unfortunately, of course, he dies uh, in the movie. But I think you will find it is a much happier story uh, in our musical. And I have a couple of numbers. I'm, I'm contract-bound not to share them with you right now, but I know I can count on you men. And many of your listeners are coming out uh, to uh, – we're going to pioneer it off-Broadway because uh, it's a little more cutting edge. Uh, that's what we're saying. It's a more cutting edge. So uh, I wanted to weigh in on the contest. I think both articles are very worthy. I, I have great admiration uh, for the work with the hummingbirds. H- however, I, however I, I felt it might be a little too – a much of a micro project, a bit too small, and that perhaps if we think globally and act locally or global, how does that, I forget how that goes. Anyway, I thought the whole idea of the carbon sink and working our gardens uh, more carefully uh, in the face of climate change, that that article might, uh, as we say in the business, because if it doesn't scale, then it fails, and you don't want to fail to scale. So I am voting for the carbon sink. Now, on a related topic, boys, because I've been spending a lot of time in New York, I've not been keeping up with the dishes. And if you want to talk about a carbon sink, I've been using all kinds of lotions and potions, and I can't get my kitchen sink clean. So perhaps Perhaps some of your listeners and your viewers uh, could weigh in uh, with an example on a carbon sink uh, locally and and globally. I I thank you, man. It's been too long. Come see my show. Please come see the show, Roadhouse the Musical. And uh, my name is Saul, and I I thank you, uh, Pam uh, and Mr. English Muffin, so very much. (laughs) Bye now. 
You know, we haven't heard from Saul in probably six months. Mm-hmm. It's it, been quite a while. It, yeah. I, I'm sure all of our new listeners don't even know <laughs> who Saul is at this point because he used to call in all the time. But I'm, I'm still – I had to laugh just the fact that he says now that COVID's going away and you and I both, yeah. <laughs> both just had it. But did you ever see the movie Roadhouse? It's. I think I've seen parts. I never. Swayze. I've wanted to watch it because I've heard it's a, a good movie. It's, it's, a, a, it's a good movie. It's right? a good movie. Yeah, and I've, <laughs> something I've wanted to watch. It fits like the, what I'd I'd want to watch, I guess. But uh, no, I've never seen the whole thing. I'm just thinking of musical numbers because there's a part in the beginning where Patrick Swayze takes out like he's a a bouncer mm-hmm. that cleans up bars. Mm-hmm. And he's like giving the rules of bouncing, and it's almost like the rules of Fight Club. Yeah, <laughs> almost. I'm just trying. Like, I'd like to see that musical. I mm-hmm. want to see Saul do a musical number. Oh, I would love that too. <laughs> and I, I like. I had to look up because he usually he screws so much stuff up. I'm like, he didn't really screw. Is anything Sam up. Elliott actually in Roadhouse? Yeah, and he is. Yeah, he, is. he, he was it's in Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze so. and Sam Elliott. Yeah. No, it's a. <laughs> uh, that's another one so, that came out. I think I uh, I probably just graduated high school, like probably like 1989. Yeah, or something my, like that. my wife and I. I'm not, I'm not a big movie watcher. Um, I've not seen a lot of like classic movies. My wife has seen like incredibly few classic movies. So we've been going through like she hadn't seen any of the Star Wars movies oh, really before. So we watched the first and the second, like the real the the original, like the chronological first and second. Well, not chronological. Yeah. When they were released, the ones that were came out in the seventies, I think came we out one, in the two, order and, they were released. At least one and four, two, maybe four, one, five, two, and three. six, so like Star what, Wars, five, Empire. Yeah, I don't know if we watched six. But then she'd never seen Indiana Jones. I just found that out. I love Indiana what? Jones. What? So we uh, we've been watching Indiana Jones now. Wait, the- wait. I will say. Can I just add real quick? Yeah. I am old enough that I saw every Star Wars movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's not everyone that can say that. No. But I saw. I remember standing in line for the first Star Wars. I think I was six or seven, mm-hmm. and standing in line because that was back when a movie theater was had like two screens. Yeah. So I remember it was at a mall. I remember mm-hmm. my sisters had already seen it and took me, and we stood in line for like hours to get in. Yeah. So sorry. The one caveat to this is I don't know if she's actually telling the truth or not, and I'm going through all this <laughs> and nothing because she has like told these little fibs on things she hasn't seen or not for years. We we like I guess known each other for almost eight years, so it's. For years, she's had me going. She had me convinced she'd never seen The Sandlot, but would constantly quote lines from The Sandlot and say, "Oh, you're, you're killing, killing me, Smalls." Smalls. <laughs> and I'm like, "Was she really never really see... seen The Sandlot?" And it's, yeah, she finally admitted that she had actually seen The Sandlot. No Star Wars and no Indiana Jones. That's what that she just was... seems improbable. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've watched. Uh, I'm forgetting Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom. I didn't like Temple of Doom as much. I still liked it, but it's too, I'm I'm so new. Crazy, I got scared of Mary Poppins. Cra- crazy fact for you. Me too. Temple of Doom is the movie that sparked PG thirteen. Really interesting yeah, because it was just PG and all these kids. Like, I noticed that when we started. I'm like, oh, that's that's surprising. This is only PG because they cause, literally rip out a person's heart. Yeah, and that was sorry and, anyone who hasn't seen. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming everyone else has. But seen. it was that scene that that really sparked the whole PG thing because yeah. I. I yeah. was I, I don't even think I was 13 at that point like when that came out. So it's like there were like 12-year-old kids, 11-year-old kids go mm-hmm. like I could get to the movie theater. I could take yeah. a bus to the movie theater at 12, mm-hmm. you know, and go see a movie. So um which I I did. So that actually that movie was the main like uh trigger for mm-hmm. PG-13. But Yeah. So yeah, we're uh going to watch the what's it? 
Last Crusade, La- probably which is this, probably this. That's one of my week. favorite. That that's, was yeah, that was a really good one. Uh, probably not going to watch Crystal Skull. You know whatever, what? Don't. It, it, don't. I don't know if that's worth it. And apparently, there's a new new uh, Indiana Jones coming out. Oh, too, I, don't, I didn't know. I think that. in 2023. So. This sounds yeah. like an, a good quiz. Like but we're gonna we have, have to add Roadhouse it. to that list. We had literally we one of my friends and I were going through with her like top movies of the eighties, yeah. and she hadn't seen like ninety some percent. Wow! So we were like, okay, we have to make time to watch some of the stuff because it's so ingrained in pop culture that you've heard people making these references, yeah, and not understood what they were talking about. So you need to watch it just so you can. Understand more of what's going on around you, I guess. Yeah, but. it's. I, this sounds like a good quiz where we can give you like three movies, and you have yeah. to guess which one your wife has actually seen. I'll have yeah. to like get a list of movies from her. That now, here's a movie I don't know if you've seen. And, and before we get back to plants, yeah. all right, we do have to okay. get back to plants. <laughs> but it's like kind of like a a cult classic, I guess. Okay, and that's um, um Willow. The oh yeah. Willow. Oh yeah. With uh, I can't remember. It's name. Val Kilmer and it's uh, oh, what's his name? That uh, Warwick, Warwick, Warwick uh, da- not Warwick, Warwick Davis. Uh, yeah, Warwick Davis, who was an Ewok in Star Wars, mm-hmm. and he was Professor Flitwick in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and a lot of other yeah. movies as well. But she, hadn't but seen there's that coming one, out really. with a Willow too. I, really? don't, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, there's a Willow wow. too that I saw. I when I went to the movies to see Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm-hmm. that was one of the previews mm-hmm. for Willow too. So. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Back go. to plan. All right. All right. So uh, you won. B- besides winning, Saul also picked your article. Okay. So you, that's a resounding win. Yeah. So you're back on the win board. So you get to pick. You want to well, go I'm first? Gonna, I'm going to go first. All right. Awesome. So my article was uh, was titled "On Martha's Vineyard: Tribal Elders Work to Restore Land to Its Pre-Colonial State." It was on NPR.org, and um, and came out right at the end of June. So it's it's fairly recent still, um, and. I saw that after I picked it, I saw it once, and then I saw it circulating around. So many of you might have even read I, this already. I hadn't heard this one. But I'll read a little bit, and then I'll start chiming in with my thoughts as, as we go through. So, off the coast of Massachusetts, the island of Martha's Vineyard is bustling with summer tourists packed into beaches, yacht clubs, and restaurants. A tour around the 96-square-mile island would almost uh, certainly include scenes of tall lighthouses, sprawling estates with manicured lawns, and colorful cottages that can be rented for upwards of $330 a night. But that's not the island uh, life David Vanderhoop lives or wants. Striding through wet grass on his 20-acre property, the Aquanaw Wampanoag elder points to remnants of the native plant species that his ancestors relied on for thousands of years. Right below our feet here, all these little white flowers with yellow in them, they're wild strawberries, he said. The strawberries are much smaller than cultivated species, but they are so very tasty. Vanderhoop, 67, cherishes stories of days long past where the island's natural cranberry bogs, blueberry, blueberry bushes, and sassafras trees were cared for by it. Aquana, Wampanoag men and women and children over all over the island. A historian for the tribe estimates that there were around 4,000 uh, Aquana, Wampanoag people at the tribe's peak, Through though other estimates were uh, thousands more. But over the last 400 years, some since colonists first arrived, the on-island Aquana, Wampanoag population has shrunk to about 500, and only a fraction of them know ancestral practices. So, Frank, just yeah. a little aside here. Yeah. How many people do you think are like year-round residents on Martha's Vineyard now? I, you know, I I don't know. Have you been? To, I've never been to Martha's. I've Vineyard. been I've been to the ferry to, to get <laughs> on to deliver some plants, but okay. I've never actually been on. on I've never island, been on the so. island, so I don't really have an, uh, yeah. an idea. I I looked it up just to see for scale, like how 
four thousand isn't it's a relatively small number, yeah. but it's bigger than I was expecting um, for an island. And there's seventeen thousand year round residents now, but during their tourist season, they get up to like two hundred thousand. Oh, which is a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, that's a um, lot of people. So yeah, even the, with the year round residents, that's way more than yeah. than they had living there uh, at their peak. Oh yeah, completely. So, uh, back to the article. In Vanderhoop's case, development over the years has forced for, uh, his forefathers to take jobs away from their property. The result, their land is completely overgrown and has been overtaken by invasive species. But prompted by the threats of climate change and a desire to educate the next generation, Vanderhoop and his wife, uh, Saskia, are determined to restore their land to what it was centuries ago. Drawing from oral history and a variety of research methods, they've, they're replanting, reharvesting, and reestablishing a productive food forest full of original sounds, smells, textures, tastes, and sights. They're calling it the Land Culture Project. This kind of work to the Vanderhoops is best accomplished collectively. The couple is teaching traditional uh, land excuse me, land restoration practices to children who come for summer camp each July. Sadly, there are a lot of uh, factors, institutions, and keep the Wapanoag people from this, uh, from this land, from stewarding the land, said one camp counselor. Um, skipping ahead here. Uh, so the fact that they're able to do that and teach more people, they're not only doing it for themselves, I think it's amazing. The Vanderhoops have seen some pro- progress already. They've removed invasive species like wild roses, wisteria, and Russian olive. I'm assuming the wild rose they're referencing is Rosa Rugosa, yeah. not like Rosa yeah. Carolina. That's really common along coastal areas. Um, and Russian olive trees and planted hickory trees, American chestnuts, black walnuts, mulberries, wild blueberries, and fruits called pawpaws. As the they... Approach the 70s, the Vanderhoops say they may never see their dream fully realized, uh, but that's a terrible reason not to try. When David Vanderhoop walks around a property and thinks of what it'll look like and sound like 20 years from now, he closes his eyes and lets his thoughts roam. Oh my goodness, we'll hear Cardinals and the Blue Jays and the Chickadees and the Song Sparrows and so on and so forth. You begin, you'll hear children harvesting and the people here talking about the different plants and how they use them and how it benefits us as humans to keep this in your heart. I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing it for the next generation. Um, overall, that's a fantastic is, article. I, I love that. It shows that there's more than an ecological purpose, purpose to include native plants on your yeah. landscape. There's a, a historical purpose. There's um, what would be an anthropogenic purpose. Does that mean mm-hmm. that it relates to people, right? So there's other purposes here. And, uh, and, Reminded me of a book I read um, a number of years ago. We used to, well, we still vacation up in uh, down east Maine, yeah. Um, and there's a the tribe there is the Pasamaquoddy, mm-hmm. and there was a they had like a I guess a festival. The the tribe had a festival one year, and we went, and they had a book um, that one of the people had written, and one of the lines that really stuck out to me is he talks about how they would. They'd hunt and fish, and, like, if they were hungry, they went and caught fish, or they went and hunted, or they gathered berries, or did all this stuff. It's like, we didn't know we were poor until the government came in and told us we were poor. Yeah. <laughs> it was, And I just heard that someone else say that exact same line. It was a politician. Yeah. It was, like, a, a old clip of a politician. It might have even been Ronald Reagan said something like that. But I don't remember exactly who it was, so I don't want to put it to the wrong person. But, um, and basically, he's like, yeah, we... We lived off the land. We went and got what we wanted when we wanted it, and then it was kind of when the government came in and said, "Oh no, you're poor. You need to, you need to have houses, and you need to have you need to be eating eating three meals a day, mm. and you can't just go and fish and hunt whenever you want. You need to have a license, and you need to do this and that." And started putting in all these rules is when 
he now he was an older person at the time he yeah. wrote this book. He was saying their way of life just changed and they became dependent on some of those those aspects. So it it kind of reminded me of of that story. How he's yeah. saying, oh yeah, to have people just utilizing what nature is giving them through berries and nuts and yeah. that kind of stuff is is really important. Yeah, we need to know what. And, and now this is a couple that's in their seventies. Yeah, and they're unfortunately not going to be around forever. No, and is that knowledge? They're doing their part to pass down that knowledge, but it. When you go from four thousand to five hundred, that and a lot of those people don't have that historical yeah. knowledge of how they use plants and and the land. It eventually it disappears. It so. should be interesting to see, like you have all these people that migrate there for vacation or for seasonal. How many of these people, like when they start taking out things like wisteria that are disenchanted with the island, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah. we came here for decades, and now look, they're they're ruining the island because yeah. they're taking all this. It's not the same mm-hmm. thing without a true understanding of really what's going on. Yeah, um, which you know is going to happen. There's going to be people oh, yeah, complaining about it. Yep, yep, and uh, and it's one of those places where. We see it with Long Beach Island near yeah. us, and you hear about it in the Hamptons and in, in Long Island, and where it's one of those things where where money can talk, and you'll have yes. some people who just they can afford to pay whatever it costs to to make it go away or make it stop. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, that's not something that happens there. But I, no, I, I, I think it's a really good mission. It's it's something that we need to see in more areas. I and, uh, I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree, and that's a very high profile area to, oh, to yeah. do it with yep. too. So mm-hmm. I would love to see that. We actually yeah, have, like I said, Martha's Vineyard. That's where the the Kennedys used to vacation, and that's like it's one of the the more affluent vacation destinations yeah. we have on the East Coast. Yeah. So yeah, it's a that's a place where if you can convince the people who are vacationing there, then. Uh, like I said, money talks, and that's something they can then use their their influence Bones. in other ways to maybe promote native plants instead yeah. of getting rid of native plants. I think that's a fantastic article, and that kind of segues, speaking of promoting native plants in unconventional areas, the article that I have for this week is called He's Turning Dodger Stadium into a World-Class Garden, One Native Plant at a Time. This article is by Hugh Garvey and was in Sunset.com. Uh, and this is an article that's more of like an interview, so I'll kind of yeah. read it as such. But uh, Dodger Stadium is the only stadium in the country with an officially accredited botanic garden. Here's how and why landscape manager Chaz Perea made it happen. Grass isn't the only thing growing at Dodger St- Stadium thanks to landscape manager Chaz Perea. After an epiphany on a trip to the gardens at Versailles, Perea was inspired to transform the stadium into a fully credited botanic garden. It took five years for Perea and his crew to wholly reimagine and replant the hillsides and concrete planters and meet the requirements for an official accreditation from Botanic Gardens Conservation International. But today, the former hodgepodge of geraniums and petunias, ivies, and lantana is now home to dozens of California natives dotted with succulents, complete with a tequila garden brimming with spiky agaves. With multiple horticultural degrees, an MBA, and a PhD in the works, and a full-time professorship at Mount, Mount, Saint, and Mount San Antonio College in Walnut, California, 
Perea is as much an educator, educator as landscape professional, and Dodger Stadium is by far his biggest classroom yet. To see his horticultural handicap up close, book a tour. And this is where the questions and answers start. Dodger Stadium is the only stadium in the country with an officially accredited botanic garden. How did a native plant garden of such scale become a thing? It actually almost didn't happen because native plants were not widely available. You do what you do what the people ask for in the commercial landscaping market isn't suited to push California native plants. To me, the nonprofit Theodore Payne Foundation and Nursery in L.A. is the main mechanism. Uh, thanks to their plants and classes, California native plants are coming to light. My crew took all their classes and will continue to. There needs to be stru- structural change in the industry for native plants to go more mainstream, and now we're tapped into that and can help. You've ripped out asphalt, replaced hedges, and rebuilt the stadium signature martini-shaped concrete planters. Talk us through the plantings. So far, we have 150 new species of plants. We've got one slope for California species alone. We've got another area with plants that represent Baja, California, and the west coast of Mexico. Another 50 or so from the Arizona desert region, aloes from uh, Africa and South Africa, Madagascar, and tropical regions. We're adding 1,000 square feet. Each year, if you do the math, my guys are putting their hands on more native plants than anyone and are becoming ambassadors for the industry as well. What learnings can you pass along to home gardeners? Plant small. The smaller plant is when you start it, the better it will be able to handle the stressors later that year. You'll you'll use less power tools, spend more time pruning, um, and spend more time pruning. There's something about getting your hands on everything that really connects you to the plants. You'll get a lot of biodiversity with the plants changing Uh, The microbiome in the soil, which attracts insect populations, which attracts birds. We have Asclepius going on for the monarchs. We're starting to see more native wildlife. Our hummingbird population is ridiculous. And how are the fans reacting? They're posting about it on social media, but you know how we really know people are starting to notice they're stealing our plant signs. (laughs) (laughs) And the last question was, what do you really want the fans to take away after seeing the garden? L.A. has had its share of problems, but one of the most beautiful places in the world. I love this city, and I'll be damned if I'm not going to do my part to make it more beautiful. We want fans to come to the game and take more away than just the game. The land is sacred. L.A. is rich in beauty, and we're trying to be a part of it. So I think that's like a really high-profile way of mm-hmm. highlighting because this is something, again, that people come to multiple times a year. Oh, yeah. And now they're seeing it completely It'll change. It'll be 81. There's 80, they're going to have 81 81- the 162 game yeah. season. There's going to be 80. Well, and then you have double headers. So yeah, I don't know. No, there's exactly. 80, 81, there's home, 81 home, home games. games. Uh, double, I don't know how many. If and you then go in playoffs. double headers and then playoff, which the Dodgers have been good. So you they've have been the really good. Too. So you, you, you figure all the people that are passing through this and they're seeing it change and they're seeing it change in a positive way. And I love it. Even though they didn't remove all non-natives, they they're highlighting it by region too, which yeah. I think is fantastic. And it's it's starting with education of the crew, and they have signage, so they're trying to educate the people that are coming through. Um, and I love that they're highlighting how hard it is to find the plants and mm-hmm. how it needs to become more mainstream, which we've been preaching since the beginning of the podcast. Um, and it's some great tips like plant small. We we believe in smaller plants. Uh, you know that that. Nursery rule of thumb is the smaller the plant, the quicker the transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're you're invested in the growth of that plant uh, as well when you start off that small and that yeah. young. So I just – I wasn't aware of this until I stumbled across the article, mm-hmm. and I was completely shocked and also really impressed and, and proud of that this is going on. And I oh, hope yeah. more of this happens as well. But it just, Yeah, uh, it's really – it's just one of my – 
my ideas with how to spread the idea of native plants is that passive uh, passive influence. So you have, I don't know, 50,000 people going to a, a baseball game, mm-hmm. and every time in and every time out, they're walking by at least a, a native plant garden. Yeah. And no, not everyone's going to be interested in gardening. Not everyone's going to have the, the space to garden, but you're going to have some fans who do, and then they're going to see that something It's just going to strike them that one time. It's going to be flowering. It's going to have a cool fall interest, something like that. But, oh, I want to have that for my garden. And then they're going to hopefully yeah. not take the plant sign. They're just going to look at the plant <laughs> sign, maybe take a picture of it, and then go to their garden center. Maybe the garden center might not have it or probably doesn't have it, but they can say, hey, I'm looking for this. And if enough people, enough garden centers get that request, they're going to have to start looking for that. Yeah, and They're uh, in the business of making money, so they need to, to have things that make money. And, and baseball is happening while mm-hmm. pollinators are active. You know, it's not in the winter months. Mm-hmm. It's that I'd be curious to know how they're maintaining it in the winter. Although yeah. they don't really have, I'm not in Southern California. Yeah, Never mind. yeah. but it's it's happening during good pollinator activity, and there's a lot of kids that pass through to to ball mm-hmm. games. So if they see a lot of hummingbirds or a lot of monarchs, and they're like, "Wow, look at this! I want yeah. this!" You know, it. I I just love that it's creating new memories mm-hmm. for people that is sending a good message. That yeah, yeah, it's in one of the things I've noticed. Specifically with baseball is, um, and I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I it's one of the things when I found when I go to a new city, it's an can be an affordable ticket, yeah, um, which you don't get with football and and with other yeah. sports a lot of times. Um, it's not always an affordable ticket, but it can be an affordable ticket, and it's a way to kind of like see the downtown area and see just kind of spend a night out without yeah. going too crazy and um, spend some time outside and. It's a good way to like experience a city in a way if you're there for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed a lot of these stadiums have started to try and make the outside of the stadium a place people want to gather and hang out for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, when I'm, I was in Minneapolis a couple of years ago, I went to the Twins game, and that was like they had like places where people wanted to take their picture and and like kind of made it so you wanted to kind of slowly work your way to the stadium and spend some time outside before actually going in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it kind of seems like they're doing the same thing there. They're just using plants to do it. So, yeah. No, yeah. it's very – and uh, I'm always fascinated whenever we choose articles that have, like, a similar – there's a similar tie. Yeah. This being, like – I I agree. Like, these, areas of the country. fit together very <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. So and, – and one's on the East Coast and one's on the West mm-hmm. Coast. And they, they're doing it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. They're 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 hoping for the same result. Yep. You know, exactly. much like a, a lot of the nonprofits and organizations that we have on this podcast. So mm-hmm. it's uh I, I commend both both of these efforts uh greatly. So I think it's great. So at we're we'll post this up on, on social media in the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group and uh make sure you vote. Make yeah. sure you vote. I, I I'm okay with either one of these. I know I'm okay losing in this mm-hmm. one or, no, or, or winning. These, yeah, these were both really fun articles at the same time. You know, I was really excited for this article until I saw yours. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because <laughs> I was like, man, I got this one, and then I was like, ah, oh, no, these are both really good articles. <laughs> you want to do listener shout out? Let's do it. All right, listener, listener shout out, shout out, shout out. So I I'm gonna go first because yours. Is way too long. Um, <laughs> yeah, here's out of the way. <laughs> um, I want, and I believe you've given Patrick a shout out mm-hmm. uh, in the past, but I, it's my turn. I'm going to give Patrick Gilliam a shout out. So, um, 
one for for his follow up on our take it or leave it because I don't know that we've had too much take it or leave it follow up on mm-hmm. the 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 Facebook group. Yeah. So uh, for our one about space exploration, uh, Patrick kind of chimed in, and we really appreciate that. But also because he also volunteered for the project that Skip Burns mm-hmm. got the Xerxes pollinator kit for for yeah. Monmouth County Park. So he showed up and helped. So it was nice to see that. Our listeners kind of coming together mm-hmm. uh, on certain projects and working together. Uh, that just that just makes me feel really good knowing Definitely. that it wasn't just Skip that other listeners volunteered and helped yeah, as well. Definitely. So I just wanted to commend Patrick for that and, and say thank you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, Fran mentioned I have a long one today because we yeah. had seven little write-up with five-star reviews that I, I have to cover. So For, for those of you who – in case you forgot or you haven't heard, we are running a contest that we're running till mid-August. Uh, if you uh, do a five-star written review on Apple uh, Podcasts, you are in the running to win a flat of 50 herbaceous native plants, uh, 50 different plants. Uh, and we're, wherever you're located at, we can't guarantee that everything will be native to your region. Uh, but we'll we'll make sure that we do the research and try to send you plants that are native to your area. And it's, maybe you won't get 50 different. Maybe it's 40, and we'll just bulk it up so you're getting 50 plants. But mm-hmm. you'll get a flat of plants from us uh, to start your, your very own uh, pollinator gardens. So, all right. So these are, are people that have just entered since our last – Yeah, since the last, last time wow. I did this, three weeks, four weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, uh, let's see. First, we have uh, Coconut Jam, which they had a, a really nice review. Um, but basically, they said their favorite episodes highlight resources or programs that are applicable wherever they're listening. Because they were, I think, in the upper Midwest. Yeah. I and um, so. and it worked in the southeast as well. And that was one of the things we wanted to focus on when we saw, hey, the people listening to this are not just from New Jersey. And we'd be doing a disservice to just cover things from New Jersey. So I want yeah. to make sure that the programs and, and associations we covered had, if they didn't have some national reach, had counterparts yeah. in those different areas or were something that was applicable to other areas. So it's um, it's maybe you didn't have a, uh, a watershed association like that where you are. Well, maybe you're the one who can start that watershed yes. association because that's something that's applicable everywhere. Yeah. So uh, next one up was Shelly387 and uh, – Another great review. Basically, Surmise said uh, it was a great podcast for native plant noobs and probably expert, experts too, which is always great to hear. Um, and another thing we tried to do was make it so anyone could listen and get something out of it. We didn't want to have it. There's so many podcasts uh, or the native plant podcasts officially that I feel go over my head sometimes. So I want to make sure hey, we got to get more people on board with native plants. Yeah. We need to make sure that if you're – just entering this sphere, there's something for you here too. It's not just going to all yeah. go right over your head. So um, then we had uh, Marcy zero 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 is even starting to recognize some of the Latin names, which a couple of the reviews actually included that they were starting to recognize Latin names, and that's we forget sometimes because we always refer to stuff in Latin names. We forget to include the common names sometimes or say it slow enough. Yes. We try and make a point to really we're trying really to get better at repeat that. it and, and make sure we're saying it so that people can put those common names and Latin names uh, and the botanical names together because um, we just had an in, in, instance in the office, I think it was last week when you were out, Fran, mm-hmm. where someone was asking for something by the common name but did not want what they were asking for oh. botanically. 
So listen, I will say this, and I know some of it's cut and paste, and that's the issue. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of quotes for for plant lists that are coming across on engineer or architectural plans where they have in incorrect common names. Which yeah. then I don't know if they really want what they put down in the common name or if they're looking for what what they, they have, they have in the, uh, the, the botanical. botanical. Um, it makes it really confusing, and I know some of it's because it's cut and paste or it's their database, um, but it just makes it really, really difficult. So to us, we always try to live and die by that botanical name. Yeah, uh, retired to the garden. Started listening before they retired and finished every single episode we had and caught was current. Wow. Before they retired, and now they are officially retired. So congratulations on your retirement. I'm it's jealous. something I aspire to do <laughs> <Me next, too. laughs> someday in the next 40 years. Um, well, I'm, I'm a lot closer than you. I was figuring out. I'm like 13, depending on what age. Like I may only be like 13, 14 years away. Yeah. No, you're not allowed. You're not, <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to retire. Um, but like the, if I go 14 years, it will be 47 years in the industry for me. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. But and part so, of me is like, just go for fifty. I'm like, no, I don't want. To, <laughs> I don't want to add years to that. So we had a uh, Betsy two seven two seven thanked us for sharing our knowledge, which um, and uh, someone else wrote that as that too. Oh, they it was sharing our knowledge, and then someone else had written about sharing uh, the knowledge from um, ourselves and then the experts. And I said. A lot of it is we're taking someone else's knowledge and then repurposing yes. for our own use. Yes, <laughs> it's, totally. We do have – we have uh, collectively, we have a fair amount of knowledge. Fran having most of it, but there's no, so much that all. we learn from our guests and just even the people who are writing these articles or research we're doing for these episodes yeah. where we learn so much um, just from that. So, And this, then we kind of repackage it and try and pass it along. This really is like a master class for us. We're just mm-hmm. – like like Tom said, repurposing information that, that we that – we, are privy to you know and just and sharing it so we we appreciate it too we're glad that it hits on so many different levels uh kevin main wrote that they love the format and appreciate the descriptions and suggestions for different plants and then uh kiersey uh basin sorry i'm i'm mispronouncing that there had to be one that you could uh, the one person that put their full name in we're we're probably butchering that they can't get enough and maybe, uh, hopefully, maybe man. not mispronouncing <laughs> your name wrong. At least I didn't call Eli Ellie. Oh, that's, that's true. But, that uh, was, I'm yeah. I'm something st- like that at some I, point, too. I'm still upset about that one. But, no, we had a, so many great reviews that uh, that it really it makes us feel good and makes us feel like yeah. we're, we're doing the right thing. So, And if you have constructive feedback, we're happy to hear that kind of stuff, too. Uh, just make sure you give it five stars. So yeah, yeah. It, it helps us. Awesome. <laughs> it's productive. Yeah. No, that was I, – I was – I kept looking, going, "Wow, there's a few more. There's a few more." Yep. And and we're we we do get five star reviews, yeah. but this is the largest grouping, yeah, it for a buzz episode. So yeah, all had. all seven of those folks are now entered to win that that um, flat of flat of flat of fifty native plants, herbaceous plants. And uh, so, if you want to enter, or if you already have a review and you want to kind of bump yourself somewhere else in the list, leave a or update or or leave a five star review, and then you'll be entered to win that as well. Totally. Totally. So what, what do you what do you think you want to so, do? I have no I complaint. Know, you don't have a complaint, but no. I have a complaint. Oh. It's been a while. We haven't yeah. played that in a long time. And um, this is just something I I feel like I must be missing something or right. the rest of the world is insane. You ever have that where it's like either everyone else is crazy or yeah. they don't understand what I'm thinking? Yes. And 
and that was plastic bags to line your like outdoor garbage cans. Do you put a plastic bag in your outdoor garbage can? No. Now, now here's yeah. here's the difference. Like for our wedding, which is going to be in our backyard, mm-hmm. and people are going to be eating, we're yeah. going to line the trash cans with plastic bags mm-hmm. because it's going to be a lot of plates and food and yeah. things like that, so that we can take it out to throw mm-hmm. it out. But no, I've never lined an outdoor. Yeah, that was one of the things I've had numerous people ask me that over the last month, where like we had a. a little birthday party for my son and people asked we had a couple people over weekend fourth of july weekend and someone mm-hmm. asked because i didn't have a liner in that the outdoor garbage can and i'm like it just i didn't say anything to them but i'm thinking to myself why why it's why? all i'm gonna take it to the curb and put it on there and then the truck comes along and the person dumps the can in there you know why I, add more plastic to that i think well i agree like i actually had the thought last week because in New Jersey they banned plastic bags like mm-hmm. for for shopping purposes. Yeah. And we used to use those plastic bags to line our trash cans in the yep. house. You're like your little bathroom trash yeah. can yeah. that kind of stuff. We yeah. used we used I think those. I have Oh no, that's a real yeah. one. But we would use that. So at least it was it was having serving a second purpose. Mm-hmm. But now I'm going out and buying plastic trash bags yeah. that are only serving one purpose. And mm-hmm. I'm like how did this just get better? Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just had that same thought. I'm like at least the other ones were getting used twice mm-hmm. and this is getting used. But how many once. people were actually using them twice? Yeah, that's, I think that's a, true. I think a fair amount probably were, but I don't think yeah. everyone was. And, and it was, was way the, too many. Like I like, have – there's got to be hundreds in the drawer because we bring them home yeah. for that purpose. Or or it's like, okay, I'm going away on a trip and I have, have a bag lunch. I tie my bag lunch yeah. in it. And yeah. so it was like – We'd reuse them, but we still have – we never we never caught up to how many we were bringing home with how many we were using on the we, other end. We have now. Yeah. <laughs> like now yeah. we're out. <laughs> yeah. So it's – but we had the same thing. We had a big bag that we would take them out and repurpose them. Um, yeah. But there was a – and it's changed over the years with how trash collection has happened. But I remember growing up, the trashman wouldn't take your trash can if it was loose trash. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to be bagged. Okay. You know, and I don't know if if people are still. Yeah, and that was what I was wondering: is yeah. was is there a reason that you're supposed to to have have it in a bag? Like, am I doing this wrong? That well, so many people are saying, "Oh, why don't I, I don't know"? It just well, seemed like, what's like, the point of putting all this well, plastic in a plastic bag I, and then putting in another plastic bag? I, I will say this: it's, like our our neighbors don't their trash cans they don't put in. Mm-hmm. And they get animals in it all the time. Yeah. So now, granted, they could still rip open the trash bag, or like they had a storm. We had a, a big windstorm come through our property mm-hmm. last night, and their trash cans all fell down, and all the trash blew. Yep. All over. Yep. I guess that could be a hazard, but you know, typically, no. Like yep. our outdoor trash cans don't have any line. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go out of my way. I don't even own trash bags that size. I have yeah. to buy some for this event this weekend. Yeah, it's I don't know. It just uh, someone probably knows, and there's there's got to yeah. be a reason behind it. Maybe that was the reasons you used to have to put. You it You used a, to a have bag. to, yeah. Like um, I know you you had to. They would not take loose trash. Yeah. Why I don't know. Like to me, that makes unless it was a hazard for the trash collectors themselves. Yeah, I don't. This know. is more of a, a take it or leave it repurposed as a it is a, it is that should have been take it or leave it because it's better than what i have for today a, a complaint so. but no that, that is my complaint is all right awesome why are we using extra plastic just to throw things away 
And uh, I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. That one perplexed. I, there was, when I lived in New York, we had to put our – you couldn't use a black bag. You had to use a clear or a white bag so that they could see if there was recyclables in it. Oh, and okay. um, yeah, you couldn't use black bags, and I but I don't know if the people picking up the trash actually enforced it or they just picked it up anyway and threw it away. But um, I don't know. That's a yeah. good question. Well, it's so. funny when I hear people getting um, because like for our trash, it's not really guys on the back of a trash truck. It's the arm that comes mm-hmm. out and picks the for the recycling and yeah, the trash. Yeah. And we've heard about people getting notifications about putting stuff in their trash or in their – not their trash, but their recycling mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be. Yep. I'm like, do they have cameras? Like yeah, – like Because the person's they, not they getting out of the truck. Yeah. It, like the arm's we'll picking it up and putting it in. it's actually emptying yeah. or not. But, um, so because I'm like, oh, you could put something in there and no one would know. Yeah. It's not like anyone's handling it, but then people are getting fined. So you I'm like – You want to hear another complaint of mine? Yeah. That's one of them. I'm, I'm so – and I – okay. Recycling is another thing where – I think it's kind of a sham. It's a way it was cre- it was it's a way for the plastic and like oil companies to promote the use of plastic so you use more of it. Yeah. And and we are recycling way more than we did 20 30 years ago, yes. but we're using plastic at such a more enormous rate. So we'd say we're recycling 3 times as much. We're using 10 times more plastic. Yeah. So it, even though we're recycling more, we're still wasting more than we did. But, um, yeah, the people who put – like there's a little sign on the can where we live. There's a sign on the can that says what you can put in and what you can't, and people just do not understand, just throw in. And this because is they even, don't want to take the time. This is even at like ecologically uh, focused events I've seen it where people are throwing – like they're throwing a dirty paper plate that they ate their food on in the recycling bin. It's like – you work in this field. You should know better. Yeah. <laughs> you, yes. Exactly. I've had that, those thoughts too. You know, it's, have you ever been to the Burlington County Recycl- I Recycling Center? No. I have with, with my children mm-hmm. through a scouting yeah. event. And they're pretty transparent when you go yeah. about how much of what gets brought in goes right to mm-hmm. the landfill. Yeah. Because they have, basically what they said to us was they'll collect, you know, they're doing the recycling. Like and they they were giving us like scarves that were made out of recycled plastic mm-hmm. and all these things, but if they don't have an end user, yeah, it all goes to the landfill. So mm-hmm. they're collecting it. and You think it's all being recycled? Well, it's not. If they don't have a yeah. if they don't have a need for it, it's just going to the landfill. And that's where like I'm honest is okay. Yeah, it's mostly just a feel good thing. Yeah. It's not so little of it actually is actually being repurposed. There is a lot that is, but there's so. Yeah. Compared to how much is actually ending up in that bin, yeah. But it's okay. Why wouldn't I still do it right? Just because, like, it's the right thing. It's the right thing to do to do it properly. Like, I shouldn't just, even though I know it's probably gonna, it could very well could end up in a landfill. Doesn't mean I shouldn't at least try. Well, kind of like the the guy in in my my article. (laughs) Well, even though this, like, yeah, this might not work, but we need at least try. People. Two generations from now might not care that I'm restewarding this land so we can use it. Well, but that's, that's, why wouldn't I try and make it happen? Well, remember a few episodes back we were having the whole conversation about we wouldn't knowingly do something wrong, and then yeah. we're like, oh, well, we've all texted while driving. Well, that's the thing. Like, like you walk up and you can't really find the recycling, mm-hmm. and you have a oh, can, yeah. and, you don't, yeah. and you're like, all right, fine. You know, yeah. I guess that's one of the the things that I think we're all probably guilty of, mm-hmm. and. Yep. It's such a simple thing to do, but most people don't take the time to do it right. Mm-hmm. 
or educate themselves if they're like I'm always looking at something going, all right, can I recycle this? Like and I'll do a quick everyone has their phone on them, I'll do a quick search. Yeah. Like, can you can you recycle? Oh, no, yeah. you can't recycle yeah. these. Okay. Yep. You know. I don't know. Good that's a good complaint. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It drives me nuts. I don't like it's one of those things I'm like, I must be doing something wrong that everyone else thinks you need to have a bag in the can. No, yeah. I, I maybe who knows? I don't really know yeah. what what's acceptable now. I really don't. Mm-hmm. You may not need to do it, but um that's a great one. Uh, no questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the one call in, but it was Saul. But you do have a Grow Read a Book? I have a, a Grow Read a Book, uh, which is relatively short. All right. Grow Read a Book. I like books. <laughs> All right. What do you got? Uh, I listened to the book The Weather Detective, um, Rediscovering Nature's Secret Signs by Peter Wallabin. I don't, know. I don't know this one. He's the guy who wrote uh, The Secret or Hidden Life of Trees. Oh, okay. Which I read oh, I thought that name a while ago yeah. and didn't love. Um, like I think I think I my my sentiment was the information is good. It was just presented in a way that was way too touchy feely for me. Okay. Um, but I know it resonates with a lot yeah. of people. A lot of people enjoy that kind of writing. And um, now since I read that book, I've Someone had posted it in, I think it was the Native Habitat Managers group on Facebook and said, hey, this should be mandatory reading for, and a lot of people wrote back that some of the research that he had repurposed for his book, the the researchers had said, that's not what we were saying with yeah. what we, you're kind of misconstruing what we were saying to make it this touchy-feely thing when it wasn't a touchy-feely thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't dig any deeper than that. <laughs> if they were were true, but that's kind of how I was like. Some of this doesn't make sense with other things I've read. I, he's making it. He was what's it, anthropomorphizing? Is that yeah, what the I phrase when so, you're making yeah. it, making it an inanimate object and personifying it, basically? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't think that's happening as much as he's claiming it does. It was just okay. my personal vibe. Um, but anyway, this is I. I'm always looking for nature books and stuff, and I yeah. I don't mind challenging my thoughts. And I said, oh, oh yeah. you know, I didn't like his first book that much. I like, well, I shouldn't say that. I liked it. I just didn't. You love love it. the concept of it. I love the yeah. cons, or I like the concept. Didn't love his presentation of it. Um, but I was like, oh, I'll try this, and uh, and it was good. It was very short. I think it's only like 170 pages, and it that took a, short. a couple hours to read. It wasn't or listen to. It wasn't very long, um, and it had a lot of really interesting tidbits in there. Okay. Um, but I found myself well, some of the interesting tidbits are like it's observations of animals and how when a storm is coming or there's some weather event, they run away or they act differently, um, which a lot of people have noted. I think Alyssa Lewis just noted that her kids noticed that in the Facebook group was something um, how like trees and plants have different actions prior or, or when there's going to be some kind of weather events or if it's a time of year thing where you can kind of predict, oh, yeah. It must be starting to do get colder because the trees are doing this. Yeah, um, I'm seeing these kind of things, and uh, and some of them are really simple, like the trees are turning color and starting to drop their leaves. And you, but you can link it to a scientific thing where okay, that means that this scientific thing has happened that they're changing color. You like, include some of that stuff, like yeah, like I know I, and like we talked about masting, which mm-hmm. is just out of survival. But I have noticed like things like. Red bud will produce more seed if they're dying or they're mm-hmm. not healthy. Like, a, hey, I need to like carry on, you know, mm-hmm. like those types. Like, and I, I don't know how many times I'm categorizing, 
categorizing those incorrectly. Yeah. I just think mm-hmm. it is, you know. Yeah. Um, there, he had some, like, observed pollinator preferences for different times of year. The Really, the coolest thing that ha- that he wrote about that I noticed, and I've, I've noticed this personally, too, is there's different flowers will open for at different times of day. Yeah. Um, and there's there's some flowers that don't do this, but there's some that do. Like, I, I'm thinking of... Um, Ohio spiderwort is one, which is Tradescantia ohioensis. Yeah. Sundrops, uh, even primrose is another one, yeah. um, which is Oenothera biennis. Yeah, and uh, which I actually have at my property, and we noticed that like opens like mid afternoon mm-hmm. and then closes at night. Yeah, yeah, there's things that'll open at different times of day, and some stuff is opening at like five in the morning till nine in the morning, and then it'll start to close up after that. Yeah, and um, and it was because they need certain kinds of kinds of pollinators in a way they've like, co-evolved with certain things. Where they want certain certain kind of pollinators and they don't want other kind of pollinators, and they know this basically it's become a thing where well it, these pollinators are more active at this time, and that's what I want. So, and then I can eliminate some of the other ones because they're going to come later. Um, but they had a really cool thing that a, a botanical garden did where they tried to make a clock using these. So you could tell what time of day it was by what was the most open. Oh, that's pretty cool. And um, and in practical in concept, it worked really well. But yeah. in practicality, things don't all bloom at the same time. Yeah. They don't all bloom forever. So it was like they were constantly replanting and weeding and, and putting stuff in so it would work. Yeah. Um, but it's really really cool concept that's and something a, I hadn't thought about. Concept. Is like if you actually saw that where you could see the clock opening, the flowers opening throughout the day to tell time. Um, that would be pretty awesome. You also brought up the concept of sundials and how they will get you close, but they won't. It's never going to be perfect time because yeah. of time zones. Yeah, and um, even though, like, if it's what it's uh, ten forty six here right now, but our actual time is probably like if you, if the beginning of the time zone was ten forty six, probably like ten. I don't know, ten fifty five here or something like yeah. that. But if you went all the way to the western side of the time zone in indiana well technically it's like 9 45 yeah. <laughs> or something like that yeah. so um so a sundial is going to tell you what actual time it is based on where the sun is for that uh, where that it's not going to tell you like you'll end up being 15 minutes late yeah. or, or 20 minutes late if you go off your sundial versus your uh your phone clock <laughs> um now here's where i started to complain about this book all right it was called the weather detective only like the first third of it was about the weather. Uh, uh, maybe maybe a little bit more than the third. And then when I went on Goodreads to like look up other reviews yeah. of this, that was a lot of people's complaint. When people complained, it was I read this because I thought it was going to be about the weather, and it and like how plants interacted with the weather. It only the first portion of it was, and then the rest was more of like a gardening gotcha. manual, um, which was still good, but it wasn't. Wasn't what people was, were expecting. I'm like, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm driving, I'm listening to this book, and I'm like, he hasn't talked about the weather in a long time. <laughs> and, I'm like, and then I'm like, keep going, keep going, man. He he hasn't talked about the weather for like the whole second half. Wow. And um, but that didn't mean it was bad. It just became like an anecdotal gardening guide of like, yeah. oh, if you wanted this, you need to observe this, and you should look at this and try doing this with this plant. And 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 he's from Germany, so some yeah. of the references didn't. Here now we're both in the northern hemisphere, so a lot of it did. But uh, he talks about invasive plants, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I, I love the discussion he had on invasive plants and how things like hibiscus blueberry, which we love, are really invasive in Europe. I had no idea. I didn't so, know that. That's not one I had heard. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of that stuff was really interesting. 
but uh, it's not all that was applicable, and it wasn't about the weather. Um, again, it was a little bit too, like, frou-frou, touchy-feely for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, where it's, I don't know. I, I just don't, I'm not an emotional person, so those, like, tying my emotions into plants doesn't work. I don't know. I just, it turns me off. Um, and then, like I mentioned, it, I heard with that other book how he would take some of the data and it, the researchers would claim it was misrepresented a little bit. So um, some of the, the really scientific stuff that he then turns into the touchy-feely stuff, I always take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. But yeah. overall, I, w- I would recommend people read it because, awesome. like I said, it's not for everyone. And if you go in knowing yes. it's not all about the weather, it has a lot of really, really good information. Um, but if you're going in like I was thinking, oh, this is how plants interact with the weather. And then you're like, oh, why, why aren't we talking about the weather? <laughs> the weather, yeah. it's, uh, it's a little bit confusing. So Awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's great. So I, this is t- totally off topic, not like we've never gotten off topic. But I can't remember what you said that just made me think of it. But over the 4th of July weekend, I saw in a store and bought Cran elderberry juice. Ocean, mm. sh- Ocean Spray puts it out. Really, really good. Yeah. If you get a oh, yeah. chance to do it, and I saw Cran Black Cherry, interesting. But yeah. it was a store brand, and the the mm-hmm. sugar content was. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Yep. Like this one, I know was a hundred percent natural, mm-hmm. so I felt comfortable. And if you if you get the chance to try it, I think you'll really yeah enjoy it. Yeah, I have to look that up because I was like, oh, two native plant juice. Like this is pretty mm-hmm. pretty awesome. So yep. Yep. didn't help me not to get COVID though. Yeah, <laughs> all those antioxidants yeah. didn't didn't help. Yeah. So, all right, it's uh, yeah. And so, one of the books I'm reading now that's going to be coming up is a book called The Overstory, which came out in 28. I think this the book, um, The Weather Detective, came out in 2018 as well. But okay. this Overstory came out in 2018, and that's another book which you ha- if you haven't read it yet, it was one I saw a lot of uh, social media influencers that are kind of in that conservation and. Um, environmental field were recommending and I was expecting it to be a little bit more scientific Yeah, and it's not but it's a really really unique and interesting story I'm about 75% done awesome. with it now but that's one I know a lot of people have been promoting if you go when I put the the hold on it on my Libby app on my phone it was like a 16 week backup wow. so wow. it's like I, have, I waited a couple months to get it but uh, okay, yeah. So that All one, right. I'm looking forward to to doing a review on here. For. Awesome. Speaking about reading and articles, and I'm sure you've saw this. I just want to give a, a a quick shout out to a former past guest a couple times, Kyle Leibarger. Mm-hmm. I saw he was featured in uh, the American Express magazine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what departures it's called. is that Depart- what it's called? Yeah, departures, which uh, for identifying native plants, I think mm-hmm. it was. You know, that's a fantastic step for all of us yeah uh for that kind of exposure so i'm i'm very happy for kyle that he was able to ask to he was asked to do that and was able to be a part of that so mm-hmm. i thought that was awesome so i've been avoiding my take it or leave it i keep going off yeah. off topic yeah so. we're we're running a little bit long so we don't yeah. and we didn't plan a pre-planned actually, topic so we'll, we're actually not that bad no we're, no we're about an hour and 10 minutes okay so yeah um so take it or leave it this is how it kind of spawned for me i'm having a horrible problem with moles and voles this year horrible and the voles are tunneling through the Mm -hmm. garden eating all the roots and uplifting all the plants um and i'm like wow i have a vole problem and i'm 
I think I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Well, as I was standing on my deck looking down at like the havoc they were wreaking, I looked up and just on the edge of the woods on my property, hawks had built a nest. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. And I have found a few dead voles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. Do I is this a problem I need to handle or are the hawks depending on this population and that's why they built the nest here and they're hunting on mm-hmm. my property? I didn't know how to like I'm like do I intervene or am I building what I'm building so that I don't intervene? Yeah, Does no, that makes sense. A, it's a tricky question, um, and I haven't done anything. I'm letting nature take its course right now. Yeah, but it's it's. My backyard looks like the <laughs> like a maze of of tunnels, like Caddyshack, mm-hmm. like where they yeah, had oh, the, the groundhog yeah, yeah, going yeah. through, or the gopher going through the golf mm-hmm. course. That's what my backyard looks like right now. As we're preparing for the wedding, and I'm walking through the yard, and all of a sudden I sink. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's become that much of an issue. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we have uh, in the last week we've had possums and moles and like. The moles and voles have always been an issue, but it's gotten tenfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tricky because it's um, it's one of those things where if you use like a, a poison, yeah, you're potentially affecting that bird of prey yeah. or, or whatever is going to be consuming it. Yeah, so that's where it gets really tricky. But uh, I don't know any other like other control measures for moles and voles. I even had that issue. Either do so. I, and it's the, the, the moles are going all around the foundation of the house this year. Mm-hmm. The voles are going through the gardens, you know, and, and that – and because we're planting so many native plants, we've always had deer in our backyard. We have deer in our backyard every day, mm-hmm. but they are preventing all of the native plants this year from flowering. Yeah. They're not eating them to the ground, but they're not letting anything flower or bury. Mm-hmm. They're eating it just past that. So everything's like a muted size. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I uh, used a trick that an old neighbor from Kentucky had taught me where I put bars of of uh, dial soap mm-hmm. um, you know, near the plants. And it's actually uh, – we haven't had any deer issues on mm-hmm. those plants yeah. since we've done that. And we've seen them in the yard and they're eating the invasive English ivy and they're mm-hmm. eating poison ivy and their thing. But the same respect, we're doing this for nature. Yeah. And I'm like, but nothing's getting established. Like I – I, I, I had a real, like, issue. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. No, it's it's tricky. And it's one of those things. Um, this is more with my vegetable garden. I must be like, what's it, Mr. McGregor? <laughs> thing, where you have, like, the rabbits and the – it's more groundhogs yeah. by our house. And, um, and yeah, we it's have like a family of groundhogs under our – Yeah, the groundhog just had three babies. So we, that we have that in our yeah. heart also. Um, yeah, it's it's – uh, it's a tricky conundrum. Yeah. And um, so personally, I – it's it's hard to put a like definitive yeah. thing on it because there's some stuff I leave and there's some stuff I, I take out. Yeah. So it's um, – You know, this is this is what I we – I guess I flip that. I would be taking the animals if they're – I leave them. Now – And leaving it if I take them out. Our yeah. neighbors on each side, half of their property is naturalized, mm. but it's – there's native – trees but all invasive understory yeah where our property is probably a 50 50 mm-hmm. we're seeing way more interaction than they are and i understand why yeah because yeah. if you build it they will come 
So what we did was nothing. The other than we protected one plant with a mm-hmm. um, a, a tubex shrub shelter mm-hmm. uh, because the viburnum trilobum, uh, which is cranberry viburnum, the deer were really like that plant wasn't yeah. going to make it if we yeah. didn't protect it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the winterberry, the elderberry, things like that, they were the the winterberry did flower this spring, but they ate off. Mm. where the fruit set would have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, The Clethra, they, and Itea, they ate back to where there was not going to be any blooms. They prevented the oak leaf hydrangea from blooming. Mm-hmm. You know, any of the herbaceous stuff in the gardens close to the house are not coming up that far. So other than the dial soap, which I was just hoping would deter them till the plants get tall enough yeah. that I feel they'll survive and then I'll remove it. But I was really torn. I was like, I need to do this to protect it. And then I'm like, but you want that interaction but mm-hmm. what if they destroy it all? Yeah. You know, then we're not serving anything. Yeah. And that's when we talk about the deer uh, deer topics in the past, which is something we should revisit at some yeah. point. Is, um, it's a, like, yeah, it's Dr. J. Kelly said it. It's yeah. an animal rights issue because we're preventing the deer, allowing the deer to live at the populations they do is preventing so many other animals from even existing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, my, my stance on that kind of stuff is, oh, yeah, if we can hunt the deer and, and control that population, it's a net benefit. Yeah. It's a net negative for those individuals, but it's a net benefit even for the deer population because they will be healthier because they aren't trying to survive off a limited food source. Now, the, um, the neighbor across the street from me, which it finally manicured – lawn mm-hmm. no i think there's one tree on the property that's it and a couple foundation shrubs that aren't native they have been putting out a bird feeder and bird seed so the other morning when i was coming to work there was a deer pulling the bird feeder mm-hmm. down and dropping all the seed for the squirrels and the, and yeah. the deer so i'm like you're not even feeding the birds you're feeding the deer yeah. um i don't know i was really torn like I, i'm not deterred Mm-hmm. But I was just like, what's the best thing to do? And I I decided at least for right now the best thing was to protect what I could from the deer without hurting them and let everything else take its course. And hopefully that hawk nest mm-hmm. will will help continue. There are so, yeah. there are a couple stray cats that have been helping with the <laughs> – Yeah. But I'm sure oh, they're also – they're, they're hurting they're the birds too. and everything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they don't we, live – I've I've – I know about, about my yeah. stance on street yes. cats a lot. Yeah, but um, but no, it's you know earlier in the year it, it looked like maybe it had fixed itself because last mm-hmm. year it was an issue, and then we weren't seeing anything this year, and yep. now it's an issue, and it's ten times worse than mm-hmm. it was last year. Yeah, so. yeah. I guess for me, it's if you can control, like, yeah, you need to control some of these animals. In my mind, you yeah. need to control some of these animal populations so you can help for the greater good, yeah. but. You need to do it in a way where it's targeted and not not like a blanket approach. Like I said, if you put out like mole poison, well, the the um, birds and whatever is even scavengers are going to eat those those animals that die from the poison. And you don't know exactly where they went. You don't know exactly what's going to eat them, and it's gonna it's going to work its way up the food chain. Yes, where if you can do like a, a targeted uh, interjection. Yeah. Um, you can kind of control that process a little bit more and make sure, hey, the, it's still perfectly fine to eat. Yeah, it's there's no poison in it. And, and we do know there's a bald eagle in the in mm-hmm. the woods behind us too. So it's 
there's a, a very good predator population in those yeah. woods and a lot of birds and which we love. Mm-hmm. And I figure maybe that's why they're doing so well is yeah. because they have more than enough food. Mm-hmm. So we're we're doing nothing. So I'll keep everyone. Maybe there's something we'll revisit. Yeah. In a couple months, I'll let everyone know mm-hmm. how it's going. But so far, we haven't lost too much, which I guess is the good, <laughs> the the good part of it. Everything's been pretty resilient. So awesome. I think that's uh, I think that's all we have. Yeah, that's all I have. So right, that awesome. will wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Uh, also, we want to say thank you to RJ Comer for our buzz theme music. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music. Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet. You can also watch our YouTube channel at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, Don't forget to call the question and comment line. The number is 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment. When we play it on a future episode of The Buzz, we will try to answer it to the best of our ability. If not, we'll find someone that can. And, uh, man, a a ton of new members still. The the Facebook group has, like, doubled in the last uh, month probably. So uh, you can – Join and be a member of the Facebook group at Native Plants Healthy Planet and uh, keep the conversation going over there. Yeah, and when you're at the Facebook group, remember to uh, to vote for your favorite article from this week that we yes. presented. And you can also drop your botanical name in the comments Ooh, there. <laughs> yeah, don't so, forget about that. So yeah. uh, you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Um, but you're probably going to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcasts. If it's all at all possible when you're there, if you leave us a five-star review, that goes a long way into promoting this native plant message. And uh, and if you want to enter for the the flat of, uh, of pollinator plants, um, then you need to do a little write-up with that review. So either update your write-up or do a new write-up, and, uh, and that will enter you to win that flat of plants. So um, you can also get our Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Uh, there's a link right at the top of the – the page that has a banner that says buy t-shirts here, click on that. It'll take you to our Teespring store. And again, Fran and I don't take any of the profits from those t-shirts. Uh, it all goes to the organizations um, that we look at and say, man, they're really doing some really good stuff uh, and promoting this native plant message. And and this is some way we can kind of give back to them. So we aren't getting rich off selling t-shirts. And, uh, and the last recipient is Bowman's Hill. So, yeah, awesome. Where, uh, when was the cutoff on? It was around the, now. So. It was around now. So maybe I'll I'll shoot a, a a message to Santino and just say, hey, we're getting ready to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll give it like another week. So. Yeah. So and, yeah, and we so want to say thank you to for Bowman's Hill for actually passing that along to them their members mm-hmm. in their newsletter yeah. and 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 uh, helping the cause a little bit more. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, so it's time for today's secret. I don't really have one because I've said that I'm getting married. So, yeah. um, but I did. I think I figured out what my Latin name would be. Oh, what's that? I've been like thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure exactly what I would be yet. <laughs> Querer glabrous. And what's the so? What's the first word mean? It means complainer. 
Okay. <laughs> the bald complainer. That's what the bald like complainer. <laughs> Quarer globbers. Yeah. I'll have to think of mine and we'll talk about it or on globber. the next episode. <laughs> all right. Yeah. There you go. So that's, that's, I think that's all we have. All right. So thanks, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Uh, coming up, we'll have another guest. Actually, uh, it will be Andrew Bunting from the Penhort Society. Uh, We're very happy to have Andrew on as our guest for the next episode. So we'll see you again next time. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.